Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Good to have you with us, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in. And I know we've got people all over. I mean, there's a lot of people that dial in, listen, but most of you are dialing or uh, connecting via the Internet. Very excited to have you with us. We've got Ken Markison on with the NBA. We'll be talking a little bit later in the broadcast of the Hot Topic segment about the TRID preparedness, what's going on. He just returned from the tech conference. And uh, a lot there's a lot of rumors running around about some of the, the – technology firms being ready so um you know i'm not sure you can speak too specifically but i'm sure we're going to get a good update from that we're going to start off getting an update from the tech conference and then really diving into the specifics of tread and um all that's going on there so we appreciate uh, you guys tuning in and being a part of this broadcast again this broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals and we're the proud recipient of the progress and lending innovation award it's also just want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, United Guarantee. And one of the people I want to give a shout out to, Susan King, who is really responsible for their partnership and uh, sponsorship here at the radio broadcast. Uh, it came to me through Alice Alvey when we met a couple years up at one of the uh, MMLA conferences. And Susan heard about the broadcast and took it back there and championed it from the grassroots up. And so she just got, I don't know if you know this, Alice, but the press release just came out. She just got promoted. She's now going to be the Western Region uh, Manager, Vice President of the Western Region. And Amy Butler is going to be in for the Heartland. So not only is Susan changing regions, but she's going to have to change wardrobe because the temperatures are just a little bit different down there in Arizona. Congratulations to both of them. I want to call attention to the United Guarantees, their support of FHFA's Affordable Housing Initiative with the MI guidelines for qualified borrowers that help moderate moderate income families and individuals purchase homes that they can actually afford. The MI guidelines are consistent with the company's deep commitment to ensuring the mortgages that they protect on behalf of the lenders will be suited for the borrowers in, the fin- in all financial situations. UG's flexibility, including not coverage of 95% LTVs, as well as they allow gift funds, and then there's a whole bunch of other things that they will allow you to do, so you need to get a hold of your UG rep, whether it be Susan or Amy, get a hold of them, and by if you don't know who your rep is, shame on you, got to find that person out, go to www, UG, www, all of the W's there, <laughs> three of them, UGCorp.com, check it out, mortgage insurance underwritten by United, underwritten by United Guarantee Residential Mortgage Insurance. Also, special shout out to Velma, Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. They do a great job of getting the word out in our broadcast. If you want to get your word out to the masses, you should connect with Velma at Velma.com. Upcoming conferences, we have the MBA uh, Conference, the State and Local Workshop that's coming up April 13th through the 14th. And then immediately a junction to that, something close to Ken's heart. Ken Marcus's heart is the National Advocacy Conference, April 14th through the 15th, and that's also at the Capitol Hilton. Then May 3rd through the 6th, we have the Legal Issues and Regulatory Compliance Conference. Ken, Ken's got to be busy guy during all this time. 
get all his conferences out of the way so he gets to have fun the rest of the year. Yeah, right. He, with all that's going on, he's he's working himself hard. Anyway, uh, also the National Secondary Marketing Conference will be at the uh, Sheraton uh, Chicago Hilton or the Towers. Again, that's going to be – now, that's interesting because that's a change. Normally it – no, it's at the uh, – the sorry, sorry about the legal conferences at the Sheraton Chicago uh, uh, hotel and towers. The secondary conference is still based at the uh, Marriott Marquis downtown, New York, right there in Times Square. So check those dates out, May 17th through the 20th. So appreciate you all being there, listening. A special thank you to Joe, Alice, and Andy, and all the regulars, Paul Malo, who's on hold, as well as Sam Garcia. So we've got a full lineup, and we're going to get into all that in just a minute, but we're going to start off. By having Joe Farr explain why the markets today are giving back the gains that we had on Good Friday. So if it was Good Friday, my good market is a bad Monday? Well, I told you in the pre-call I didn't know. So you're, you you were teeing me up. I have to admit, this is strange. I have set you up. <laughs> it is weird. Uh, well, uh, you know, whatever's causing the MBS prices to fall is making stock market go up. Uh, I noticed early this morning the futures were down, as you might expect, on the week jobs report on Friday, given that the stock market was closed on Friday, but uh, it's turned around and it's now up, uh, it was down seven-tenths early, it's up uh, nine-tenths right now, so um, you know, I guess uh, to some extent uh, the stock market's gain has taken some from the MBS market, but right now the MBS market's down 8.30 seconds, uh, still slightly better than they were when they started the day on Friday before the jobs report came out. But uh, we have, like you said, we've given back most of that gain. Uh, it wasn't due to economic news today. The only thing that came out this morning was the ISM services, which uh, came in pretty close, just a little bit below expectations and a little bit below last month. So it, it shouldn't have been a market-moving event, certainly not to the to the downside. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's get into talk about last week. It was one of those really kind of interesting weeks with a lot of economic data and and you are making making some points in your notes that there's it's been missing more to the downside it really has we've seen of course the jobs report was the big miss uh non-farm payrolls at 126,000 uh 250 was expected that's the lowest level since December 13 uh, revisions to January and December also took away 69,000 jobs. So it was a big miss to the downside. And and as you might expect, the market improved on the news. We uh, MBS prices improved about 12.30 seconds on the announcement. Uh, made it, made it, may have seen an even bigger improvement were it not for a little bit of wage inflation popping up. Uh, wages rose three-tenths in the month. Yep. And, uh, that is a little hotter than it has been. Uh, so you know, there's some speculation as to what's caused what caused the big miss. Uh, could be a combination of several things, like lower oil prices uh, hurt uh, energy sector jobs. Uh, the value of the dollar hurt manufacturing jobs. The uh, weather had an impact on retail and construction jobs. So uh, all those things are sort of transitory, and maybe one of the reasons we haven't seen a a, a, a move. Based on that report, that held. Uh, combine combine the jobs report with misses on the ISM, Chicago PMI. Of course, ADP was a precursor to this, and got to give them credit. Mm-hmm. They kind of indicated the direction of job movement. They hadn't done that. They didn't do that last month. Uh, construction spending, all of those were misses to the downside. Now, the the nice thing was that uh, 
pending home sales in February. Yes, from, very strong, uh, very strong uh, from January. So that was nice to see. So yeah, three point one percent versus a half a percent they anticipated. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. So is the economy is the economy slowing down? I guess is the question on everyone's mind. And um, some of this, I think, is transitory, and we might see it's much like last year, where we had a weak first quarter that that then uh, uh, spilled over into a stronger second quarter. And I'm kind of in that camp. I think we'll see that. Uh, is this having an impact on the Fed and Fed policy. I, 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 the consensus for the first Fed rate hike has shifted further out into the future, uh, still in this year, but shifted further out. Uh, but you know, I think the Fed, with with what they've stated as being data dependent, uh, they're not going to they're not going to shift too strongly on the the weakness of this jobs report and wait to see if uh, if it doesn't rebound. Yeah. Well, we got the FOMC meeting minutes going to be released on Wednesday, so that gives us some. In, that'll give us some. I'm assuming that's going to give us some insights. Is it? it well, it should, well, it it has in the past. I look back at the last six meetings, and five of the last six are, are the the days of the meeting minutes being released. Five of the last six times, it's been good for mortgage rates. Uh, meaning the Fed minutes indicated further greater weakness among. You know the members uh, as to their view on the economy, and and only once did the minutes result in a price uh, MBS price drop. Uh, sometimes they're volatile. I tried to see. Uh, you know, you would think that a the minutes following a meeting where there was a press conference ought to reveal less than in the main, the the times when there's not a right. press conference. But it it hadn't right. been true. I mean, it, it's been just about. Even, I mean, that, so so. Just leave that to say, it, it, you should be able to expect some volatility on Wednesday. Yeah, that's for sure. Then, of course, Jolt's report. That's that's uh, tomorrow. That's going to be an interesting number, especially after Friday's uh, non-farm payroll number. We'll be paying close attention to that one. That could be interesting. That, and then uh, jobless claims comes out on Thursday, and then we have, you know, the Treasury auctions, including the ten-year auction, uh, coming out this week. The ten-year auctions on Wednesday. So. That's right. Other, other than that, it's fairly light month, a uh, fairly light week. So I think the, the minute's going to be the big event this week. Yeah, that and possibly the Jolts report. So it'd be real, real, real interesting. Joe, thank you so much. Appreciate you bringing sure. the update. And folks, you are, need to check out the website if you haven't already. I preach it all the time. MBS quote line, easiest thing for me to sell and get excited about. It's concise. We need for those of us, or most of us that are market watchers, gives us most of what we need. So, uh, folks, we'll be right back after this brief break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quoteline delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at MBS. MBSQuoteLine.com. MBSQuoteLine.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. Good to have you with us, everybody. We are glad to have Paul Malo on this uh, on the call with us right now. He's uh, tracking all the major news stories going on and up and down. I wanted to ask you, Paul, last week when we talked briefly 
Yeah, we talked about. Um, I just got to turn your mic on. Forgot that. We, we talked that briefly help. that you had already heard. That would help. Yes. Yeah. If you want to have the last word, just make sure you have hold of the button that has the mic turn on or the mute button. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, you talked about how you had reported about possibility of the rumors you had heard a report on even the week before the tech conference. And maybe you were the source of that. The rumors are running around about the possibility of a delay. But is that you that released that story, or any thoughts on that? Well, you know, we've been writing about it, and uh, one of our competitors has as well. Right now, the agency doesn't seem to be willing to give these guys any more time. It's been how many months? I, I lost track. It's been one of our stories. It's multiple. It's over a year easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah and, and so right now the agency, you know, if anyone there is hinting there's going to be uh, an, an increase in time or an extension, they're really namby-pamby about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of vendors out there who uh, are, you know, rolling out products for this. And, um, and they've spent a lot of time, and it's part of their business model because it's good for them because it's new software. They need to to be mm-hmm. compliant. You have to get their software, their products. So it's good for the vendors in a way, obviously. But you know, uh, you know, and and they're ready to go, or at least most of them should be ready to go because if they're not ready to go, their competitors are ready to go, uh, and it's going to yeah. be a huge advantage to uh, some uh, someone who's ready versus someone who's not ready, at least on the vendor side. So, you know, I haven't seen anything solid yet, and I wasn't at the NBA Tech Show, that um, the agency is going to delay it. But at the same time, you know, in the past they have been, shall we say, understanding um, if someone doesn't quite uh, make the deadline or, you know, Uh, uh, they're going to go easy on any violations. I I think that might be the message, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, it's you know, CFPB isn't exactly, shall we say, friends to the industry. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's not exactly. You know, I found them to be very uh, amenable to answer the questions and, and work with them. I can't wait to Ken's on hold listening to all this, and sure. uh, Ken Marcus said we'll have him on in the hot topic segment, so we'll get some more perspective on that and. Um, but it, it, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. But I also want to turn to, I think, the Jumbo MBS issuance um, hit a post-crisis high. That, I thought, was in the first quarter. That was a little surprise. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. I mean, listen, Redwood, one of the biggest players in that market, wasn't real active. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, they keep saying, basically, that, you know, execution for whole loans is wonderful. Uh, and But, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of banks out there who've been looking at this business, who you know have done a couple deals like JPM, and um, you know they, they want to get this machine rolling. And even though the, they do better with whole loans or uh, letting this stuff sit on their books and make uh, you know a, a nice little fat spread over their cost of funds, you know yeah, I, I think okay. they're starting to see that the day is coming where you know non-agency MBS is going to be more significant than it has been. But listen, these are paltry numbers. I mean. You know, as, as Brandon yeah. wrote in this story, 4.6 billion in, in the quarter is is you know laughable, but compared to right. you know uh, the the post crash days, it's 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 a fairly good number. So, 
you know, yeah. it's a squirrely time for the industry. I mean, let's face it. And, and the second story is sort of nice in a way because it shows that, you know, there's a lot of small to medium-sized lenders who are doing quite fine. Thank you very much. And we we quote, you know, mm-hmm. um, a couple of them in the story, including Premier uh, Nationwide Lending down in San Antonio. They're not a big lender. Right. But, you know, they did um, – yeah, 155 million in March, but in January they did 68 million. So that's you know, that's a nice little bump up. We've talked to a few more like that, and there's a couple more lenders who I can't disclose who've also reported you know some really nice gains. None of these guys mm-hmm. are the mega banks per se, and, and everyone knows the mega banks have been seeding market share. Uh, so yep. you know it's going to be an interesting year. Um, I think the general feeling is volumes will be better in 2015 than 14. Um, not not significantly better, but you know, guys are starting to feel feel positive in a way. Uh, the third story well, is also for- very interesting. NationStar Mortgage sold uh, through Auction.com some non-performing loans, and I didn't know about this until I saw the story this morning uh, from Brandon. But um, you know, they they found a buyer, Trumont Capital Advisors, who won the bid, and then uh, they basically said, "Oh, we're not going to sell." <laughs> they didn't like the price. Uh, we're working on a follow-up to that. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you put loans up for auction. You get a winning bidder, and you're like, eh, we're not going to sell them after all. <laughs> I guess there's some yeah. real details on that one. Uh, interesting story. Uh, also, there's one out there that uh, George Brooks said about uh, Ed Golding's appointment to FS, uh, the FHA chief position, FHA commissioner. Apparently some senators are looking at it a little funny. Um, he's, he was appointed in such a way that Goulding is restricted from issuing final rules or notices of funding availability. Uh, he also can uh, endorse mortgages for insurance that exceed $50 million, such as loans for hospitals and multifamily. I'm not sure what that's about. I think we're going to look at that a little more. Also, the, the Ginnie Mae issuance numbers, uh, the applications yeah. are way down. Um, so that uh, that's sort of interesting as well. Short take, uh, big story. Really uh, Navy Federal uh, did a billion dollars in March in origination. That's a record uh, for the company. And, and they have one of the most fascinating pro- products out there. This 100% uh, financing, no money down, uh, fixed, uh, fixed rate loan. Uh, with no MI, uh, and they did. Uh, it's called Home Buyer's Choice, uh, and they did 179 million dollars in loans uh, in that product alone. Uh, great march uh, for that company. Uh, they're Can you huge say it's in the Washington D.C. area. You know, I said it was fixed. I'm not sure if it is fixed. Um, it is 100%, yeah, 100% I, I, financing. It maybe it is an arm of some sorts. Well, they didn't have a lot of detail in their, their small press release, uh, but you know, big big numbers for them. Uh, and so that's all the highlights today. Good stuff. I mean, I always like it. I thought it was interesting the story that you wrote about um, when you were looking. Was it you? you wrote, no, it was Brandon again. Wrote the story about nations. Uh, what's the one about uh, Premier? Premier? No, that was your story. Yeah, I thought it was yours. Yeah, about, it was the wholesale like division that done so well. I think there's a real sense that wholesale is starting to make a resurgence again in a bigger way, and so we're seeing a lot of. You know, banks are purposefully, you know, letting go of market share, and we're seeing a resurgence of some brokers. And so that's something that we've been seeing within our consulting firm is people contacting us. Hey, I think I want to start my own firm. I don't know what size it should be. And so it's just really fascinating. That's, it, it, there's been an upswing in that. So yeah, we, we the crunch the numbers every minute. quarter, and the broker market share has been inching up. Um, you know, it's still, you know, let me think here. I think in the fourth quarter, it was 10% of market share brokers had through table funding. 
uh, and the previous couple quarters was 9.3, 9.49. So it, it's on the upswing uh, again. It, it looks like you know the depositories are, are seeding market share, just you know either intentionally or they just they're not as nimble and they're not competing very well. So that's maybe Ken can talk about that more, but uh, I would assume he's Look seen that from yeah. his members. Well, it's good to have you with us, Paul. Appreciate you taking time out of your busy life there and uh, being a part of the broadcast. Thank you so much. Great. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Always fun. It's always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Alice Alvey, give me an update. We give our listeners an update on what's going on as it relates to the regulatory world. I thought it would be good that you, in anticipation of the TRID Talk, I think it was great that we have something that you kind of do a a little bit of a lead-in on that. So, And here's Alice. Oh, thanks, Dave. Yeah, I think uh, I think it would help, right? Since we're going to have Ken on to talk in detail about the trade, uh, that maybe in my segment here we kind of walk through some of the basics and things that we're hearing uh, that are going on today that are still a challenge. So, in the in the rule itself, I think uh, what everybody needs to be aware of is fundamentally we're starting with needing to pay more attention to the uh, when does the rule even apply, right? Right at the very beginning. TILA has always been that closed-end consumer credit transaction secured by real property, and that consumer credit transaction is one that's, you know, for primarily for personal, family, or household purpose. So as a lender, that's a policy to set. How am I going to move forward with when does the rule apply? Am I just going to make it across the board? Am I going to try and manage business purpose? How am I going to handle that? Um, the rule itself has, you know, some variances with different business days. It it tightens up the application date a little bit different. So you've probably heard a little bit already about the differences in pre-qualification and how to handle pre-approval. Probably one of the most recent changes is the CFPB came out this week with their new toolkit, which is supposed to replace, or I'm not supposed to, but will replace the special info booklets. So, you know, got to find the light at the end of the tunnel here. This info booklet today is 71 pages, and the new booklet's going to be 25. I call that a win. <laughs> so we now have to make sure, again, the loan officers know what's in the booklet so they can make sure they're explaining it to customers properly. And I think it'll be a little bit easier to work with. Um, The other components in the rule that people are watching is, obviously, you think about the timing requirements. Um, I've got to get a new loan estimate out, which is now basically the till as well. So all those timing requirements change a little bit. And one of our biggest challenges being with the um, closing disclosure. And how are we going to get the information from the title companies? So another component in the rule is the three-day waiting period that has a lot of people worried. It is way past the time to be talking to the title industry and your realtors about this so that they understand what your flow may be. And our big question today is, how are lenders going to work out that exchange of information? There's been some talk about, you know, sharing a MISMO format, but that's a lot of data you might not need. And is there going to be a a group of data that can be just what the title companies and lenders need within that file? And then how do I manage the integrity of that data back and forth between us? So, you know, as a lender, I am the one now issuing that final closing disclosure it's no longer this certification by the title company of disbursement. So 
another layer that comes in with the rule for lenders is to think about, all right, there, I'm going to have some supplemental documents with a closing disclosure. I'm going to need something, hopefully standardized by Alta, which they are talking about, some kind of standard disbursement you know, authorization. I certify I have dispersed the loan in the conditions that terms and conditions the lender has said because that's what the HUD-1 does today, but the closing disclosure will no longer be that form because it's it's going out completed to the borrower. It's not just solely, it's not representing disbursement uh, any longer or solely disbursement. Um, so we'll have that supplement to the CD, and we'll also have the supplement for tolerance calculations because the closing disclosure only has totals. Uh, so as we kind of look at the A to Z process, it's beyond form replacement. It's procedural changes throughout everything. And um, so that's just kind of teeing it up for folks here. Dave, I'm going to let you jump in if you have any questions for me on things you think folks might want to know before we get into talking about or talking with Ken about the latest update. I think this is good. I think one of the things I'm going to be most interested in hearing about is what guidance, because there's been a lack, there's some, some areas still that I think CFPB could provide some more guidance on. And I'm hoping we can get into that part of the discussion with Ken. And I know he's real close to that situation, as you know. So it'll be good. I think we're going to save as much time before we go on, instead of going on any more longer here. I think we'll bring all that up in the Hot Topic segment. But thank you so much, Alice. Good stuff. Um, anything to be concerning about and that, that we should be looking at in the short, short term uh, that's, uh, that's toxic on the, on the calendar? Uh, I think the main thing, other than, you know, if you have to take your eyes off of compliance, is certainly the FHA handbook. Uh, we're waiting to see yeah. if we'll get an extension. We, you know, MBA uh, has put together some tools. We have some as well uh, that will show you the list of the regulatory, of the changes within the 4,000. And uh, there are some. There are some absolute frontline originators need to know some gen basic underwriting policies that are changing with the FHA handbook that will be effective June 15th. And that, frankly, is right around the corner. So um, that would be the next heads up for everybody. Watch for your, your changes in FHA, and we're happy to help you with that. Good stuff. Excellent, Alice. Appreciate you being a part of the broadcast. You have give us so much information all the time. Can't wait to have you participating there with us in a minute in the Hot Topic segments. Well, that's a little more than a minute. We've got a few more segments to get to before we go there. But we'll be right back, folks, right after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Good to have you with us, everybody. Let's get over to Sam Garcia. He's, then we're going to get to the Profit Doctor and then to the Hot Topic segment. So, Sam, let's get off started with you talking about some of that. Uh, Paul already touched on the Navy Federal Credit Union. I thought that was our big story. And I think it's something that you cover a little bit more, the fact that it's what's going on in the whole um, market as far as it relates to credit unions. We're seeing a lot more credit union activity than I, than I recall seeing in previous cycles. Your thoughts? Well, it's interesting because we were able to get the, uh, you know, pull the uh, mortgage employment numbers last week from that employment report. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did show a little bit of a bump uh, in non-bank employment. 
Um, and we also had an estimate of approximately 566,800 people in mortgage lending as of February using the uh, Department of Labor's numbers. But um, while, you know, while non-banks have grown about 2% on a year-over-year basis, uh, federally insured banks have lost about 16% of the job- mortgage-related jobs based on our estimate. And then at credit unions, we've seen that they actually slipped uh, 3% from February of last year to oh, February of this year. So, yeah, not as okay. much of a drop as the banks, but uh, if we look at more recent numbers, I remember that we've seen that the more recent quarters have been busier for credit unions, so we've seen a little bit of That's a pickup more recently. Yeah. Um, the yeah. mortgage market index, which we put out last week based on data from Optimal Blue, it was down 9% from the previous week. So activity slowed ahead of uh, Easter, basically, to be expected. ARM activity took the biggest hit. It was down 11%. And refinances were down 10%. Um, we went ahead and published a story about agency mortgage-backed security issuance. And on uh, MBS issued on behalf, fixed rate MBS issued on behalf of the three companies jumped 13% between February and March. Turned out to be the strongest month in agency issuance since September 2013. So last month, real busy for the three agencies. Um, we see that uh, the uh, Mortgage Bankers uh, Association put out their uh, their profit report for production. And we, one of the factors we, or shares we were able to pull out of there, which I know you're always interested in, was that the closing mm-hmm. rate in the fourth quarter was 74%. So uh, that's based on the mortgage banker survey of independent mortgage bankers and subsidiaries of banks. Um, and net production income for all of last year, it was 34 basis points, tumbling from 61 basis points the prior year. Um, FHA put out its monthly production information, and we saw that uh, January residential endorsements were off a percent from December. But what was more interesting was that total applications for FHA residential business soared to 134,000 applications from just 79,000 the prior month. So that's pointing to a pretty good increase in the first quarter for FHA business based on their own application information. Um, home equity conversion mortgage production last month was uh, was uh, 2% lower than it was in February. It was a second consecutive monthly decline for uh, HECM business. And last month's biggest HECM uh, lender was American Advisors. Um, mm, bankruptcies, yeah, yeah. Uh, bankruptcies, there were uh, 81,600 or so bankruptcies during March, and that was quite a bit higher than the 65,000 that were filed the prior month. So a little bit of a blip there for bankruptcy filings. Uh, in fact, it turned out to be the uh, the biggest month for bankruptcy filings since May 2014. Um, we saw we saw that HUD put out a uh, disclose some uh, mortgagee actions today. Nearly a hundred of them. Uh, HUD reported that 17 mortgagees face civil money uh, penalties, uh, withdrawals of FHA approvals, suspensions, probations, reprimands, and administrative payments. Another 11 failed to meet deadlines for annual recertification, and uh, 68 didn't meet the recertification requirements. Um, there were some layoffs and, uh, and that are tied to the merger of the Federal Home Loan Bank of Seattle and the Federal Home Loan Bank of Des Moines. Uh, it looks like it will turn out to be about 109 people lose their job as a result of that. And the last thing we had here was that uh, Bank of America last week settled a couple of lawsuits tied to uh, the Taylor Bean 
debacle. Um, the case is centered around uh, Bank of America's role as an intermediary between note investors and Ocala funding, which was used to be a unit of Taylor Bean. And we don't have the terms of those settlements, but uh, another one put behind it. So, And that pretty much wraps up the news for the, uh, the highlights for the, this last week. Thank you so much, Sam. Appreciate it. Check out what Sam has to say at his article and at his website, mortgagedaily.com, where you can email Sam at samgarcia at mortgagedaily.com or call him, 214-521-1300. Appreciate you, Sam. Have a great rest of the week. Look forward to having you back next week. Good stuff. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You bet. You bet. Let's head on over to the Prophet Doctor. Always fun to hear the Prophet Doctor. He's in the house. He's sharing his pearls of wisdom for us today. Prophet Doctor, Andy Shell. Hey Dave. What you got? So I guess if I guess if the credit union's jobs didn't fall as much as the commercial bank jobs, that means they rose. That, that, that that's <laughs> government that's government think for you. That's I've actually heard people make that's that government. argument on C SPAN in a, yeah, they, they talk about you know, it didn't it didn't yeah. fall as much as the other one, so it's actually improved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure well, what school of economics they go to for that, but anyway, it's kind of interesting. So we got to start the start the segment off, Dave, by asking the question: Today's April the sixth. Do you have your P and L? I can tell you that our bookkeeping customers have their numbers now. So yeah. is your accounting system able to generate those numbers? Did you make your gain on sale numbers? Do you know? How do you know? Good. Did you track it? Did you reconcile it? So get that stuff ready. Uh, there's a um, there's an announcement in the uh, Weiner Brodsky Financial Services update that came out about an FTC proposal that's going to affect the data security requirements for mortgage lenders and mortgage servicers. And this is just an ongoing process where data management is just top of mind uh, for the regulators, protecting consumers' data from being hacked, whatever, stolen, identity theft. So. This is never going to go away. And in the midst of a TRID launch, we also have to keep mindful of our data security management as a, as a whole and make sure we keep that stuff up to date. And with the new TRID implementation, if we have an interface with our accounting system, which during the last webinar that we, we taught, Dave, that we asked the polling question, how many people did have an automated interface? And something of the order of 85% of the people used an automated interface. So what that means is that those those data uh, fields that are in the closing uh, area that come across to populate for the final HUD that feeds into accounting, if those move around or change and the things that they were are now something different, you got to go back and check that stuff. Got to verify our interfaces, make sure with the TRID that it, it, it really mm-hmm. works. And, and Alice said something to me, on the, not to me. Alice said something on the show that resonated to me. That if I were if I were the owner of a mortgage company, I'd be I'd be shaking in my boots, because she said, the new trade is not just the new forms, it's procedures, new ways of doing things from start to finish. And if we've ever been involved with training and origination team, we, we know it takes more than one class because nobody attends just the first class, and then they take two classes, and they still don't attend. And after five classes, maybe they remember what you said in the first ten minutes because they are on their iPad playing playing, uh, uh, pool. So getting people (laughs) up to speed and understanding these new procedures that Alice is talking about needs to be the forefront of our thought, even though it's still, you know, five months away. 
and don't expect it to be extended. Don't listen to the rumors. Be ready on in August and have the, get your start your training. Get a hold of Alice. Figure out how to do that because changing the way an organization does what it does is a significant, a very significant, huge undertaking. It's more than just the forms. It's how you do it. Don't lose focus. Yes. On there you go, Dave. That's all I have. Good. Unless you have there something you else got to it. talk about. Oh, I could have you talk about they got a lot of questions, but we got to save some time for Ken Markison here in just a minute. But it's good stuff. Uh, by the way, I just want to say, to tell everyone, you've become kind of a, a rock star there with the MBA's uh, educational department because you're putting together some really good stuff, and you've got two more coming up. So just tell us, give us a little tease on what, what the others that are, the other couple events that are topics again. You know, in the midst of having our new TRID, there are other CFPB mandates. These are non-optional requirements that have been launched on mortgage companies. One is called a compliance management system. It's not a computer system. It's a process by which we follow all the rules and know that we follow the rules and test to make sure we follow the rules. And we're going to talk all about how to launch, manage, maintain, implement a compliance management system. And then part of that also is third-party management which has been out now for over two years, and it's it's actually three years now. It came out in March of 12. So for three years now, we have been required to change the way that we deal with our vendors. We have to have certain provisions in the service level agreements with our vendors, in the contracts we have with our vendors, the CFP mandates. There's very specific language. And we're we're still talking to people that are still trying to figure out how to just even risk weight a vendor, much less implement the changes. So we're going to do a webinar through MBA MBA Education. Go to mba.org, click on Education. It's one of the webinars on how to implement the third-party management requirements because you got enough to worry about already. Just keeping your volume up, getting your loans closed, worrying about TRID, all these new rules. You know, we're going to show you how to do it so you can just follow our guidelines and get it done. That's what's coming up in June. Good. Excellent. Lots of good stuff. Appreciate you being with us, folks. We're going to be right back after this brief break. We've got Ken Markison of the NBA talking about TRID readiness. Lots of great information. Are you ready? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Mortgage Banking Solutions is the preeminent management consulting firm to the residential mortgage lending industry. No other firm in the U.S. offers the menu of services or the level of expertise to the industry. If you're looking for help converting from best efforts to hedging or need help with bookkeeping to know your profit per loan, if you are interested in making the transition from broker to banker, or if you just need a roadmap for success, Mortgage Banking Solutions' primary focus is to enable executives to take their business to the next level and guide them down a path towards success and profitability. With over 300 Combined years of experience in all facets of mortgage lending, the Mortgage Banking Solutions team of professionals has the expertise and know-how to help you accomplish your goals. New warehouse lines of credit, broker-to-banker transitions, transitioning to hedging, financial and accounting services, or meeting your capitalization needs. If you need help with these or any other aspects of your business, please contact a Mortgage Banking Solutions sales team to see how we can help you at 512-977-9900. It's 512-977-9900. Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Good to have you with us, everybody. It's so much fun to be a part of this, of of a way of you getting all the information, and we're so honored to have the long list of guests that come on here each and every week to talk about all that's going on. One of those guests who we've had on before is Kent Markison. He's the Vice President and Regulatory 
of counsel. Now, I, I had he's got several hats he wears around there. All I know is he's got the title of VNG, very nice guy. So we also add to the end of his title and all his letters and all the distinguished things he has, VNG, very nice guy. We appreciate him taking time to be with us. Uh, Joe Farr, I've got your mic back on. Ken, I just turned on your mic, so make sure we're alive here. Uh, I want to say this. Sure. Ken has got a distinguished, distinguished. You got quite a distinguished career. Thirty-two years at the Office General of uh, Office of General Counsel at HUD, and then also you got your law degree at Georgetown University, and you have worked hired tirelessly on behalf of many of us in the industry, all the entire industry. Um, and we're just honored to have you on here. So thank you so much for your work, your commitment, Ken, to all that's going on. In fact, this, this, all this stuff that's going on, you've got all the attorneys. Now, you have pulled off, I think, the most miraculous thing in the world. You've gotten every attorney, every competitor to come together and put together the compliance essentials. You have put together some of the most powerful material. And so I don't know how you pulled that off, but so you've got to have a lot of politician in you somewhere along with all that legal stuff. So it's good to have you here, friend. Well, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be back here and to join you and the other folks on the call. This is, um, it it really has been a, a, a very challenging few years, but most of all for our lender members. And what we've been trying to do with Compliance Essentials and some of the other uh, activities we'll talk about is give as much guidance as we possibly can through the through the best vehicles we can, which of course uh, includes the legal community that serves MBA. Well, kudos to you, Ken, for pulling together that group. It's a good group, and I got a chance to sit with you this last year at one of the conferences around a roundtable. You invited me to be there, and it was just really impressive how you got them all together, and it's fun to see how they all get along. And so here I was sitting with a whole room full of attorneys and just enjoying the dialogue. Great group of folks. I want to talk about last week's tech conference and what you were you were there attending and I just want to hear what is some of the chatter at the conference that you heard and, and it's specific to trid yeah well I, I I think you'll recall and it was brought up earlier in on the show there had been a few articles that had come out from the trade press and they indicated based on Deputy CFPB Director Antonakis's comments at another conference for another trade association that the Bureau was uh, focused on vendor readiness and in that connection um, might be thinking about extending the date for TRID. Uh, You can imagine what reverberations this had. I know you were well aware of it. And uh, at the TRID conference, uh, I'm sorry, at the tech conference. The tech conference. (laughs) It became the TRID (laughs) conference. Uh, At the tech conference, uh, the issue of vendor readiness became a a sub-theme. And it's clear that vendors are working hard on this rule. We've known that for a long time. It's also clear that there are enormous challenges. I mean, this is, to the point that was raised earlier, 
a a big challenge. It's a big challenge in terms of business processes. It's a big challenge in terms of software. But technology, in a very large sense, is going to have to answer a lot of the uh, uh, the the requirements with right. uh, dynamic forms with communication tools between lender and title, which Alice was talking about. Uh, there, there, there are tons of challenges, and the rules themselves go well beyond technology. But it's a key yeah. piece. And uh, what there. we were hearing is it's, it's, it, people are, are deep into it, but... It, it, some of the deliveries will not happen until June, and um, there'll still be a need for customization by individual companies. So it, 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 there's a lot to do uh, ahead. Yeah, I think that's the thing is there's a lot yet to do, and the NBA has been in the forefront of this. So I appreciate the fact that the tech conference kind of became the trend conference or a, a sub very big sub, right. uh, uh, sub-headline of the whole conference. But if you could fill our listeners in some of what the NBA is doing to help Ken. That, I don't know that everyone's aware uh, right. uh, of all that you, you guys are doing there. Well, I mean, this conference was emblematic, I think, of some of the involvement we've had at individual conferences. We had two sessions on TRID meetings on TRID, as well as a super session with a very large panel of experts to answer member comments. But that was just the tech conference. We've uh, dedicated a day at the Legal Issues Conference, which you mentioned at the beginning, uh, on May 3rd in Chicago, which will be a forum on TRID and what it it really is, is the sixth in a series of forums that we've been having through the winter with, uh, in this case, the American Land Title Association that have provided us and our members an opportunity to look closely at each step in the process from pre-app to closing disclosure to the forms and interrelationships across the industry to break down all the issues and in the course of a day consider them and not only consider issues but hear about real-life solutions that yeah. lenders and title providers are doing. These forums have been enormously successful. We're actually having one in D.C. next week which is sold out. No, really? And really? We had one in Not Chicago. Surprising. Well, what we've done, David, though, is we've arranged for video uh, streaming in real oh, time wow. of these conferences. Good. And that's available on both the 16th and May 3rd. We're scheduling another uh, forum in June. And we should have an announcement on that shortly. We've also, to your point about our work with law firms, 
we've worked with two firms, uh, Rich Andriano of Ballard Spar, uh, Rich mm-hmm. Horn with Denton's, to come up with a compliance essentials volume to take you through the requirements of TRID, how to fill out the forms. But, but what's different about this product is to, to the comments about a compliance management system, the Bureau's looking for strong policies and procedures around complying. These volumes include a set of model policies and procedures that can be adapted by companies. They also include checklists. That volume has uh, really, uh, I I think, satisfied many members' needs, and uh, it's, it's, it's selling extremely well. We're planning to have a webinar very shortly to walk through the volume, and we'll also be offering updates. I think the other piece is that in addition to the forums, we're planning webinars for the summer. And not not to just have folks think that we're only focused on education. We're gonna right. we have been spending a lot of time on advocating answers to questions. Uh, before the CFPB, and uh, we're yeah. we're laser focused on that now. Yeah, they sure could provide a little bit more guidance. It's, I mean, I, they're trying hard, but the more you dig into things, it just you know you get gain more questions. I want to get the mic over to Joe Farr, and uh, I know he's got a couple questions or at least some questions or comments. Joe. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd say there's a lot going on, but what more <laughs> do you need from the industry to help this go smoothly? Well, I, I think the industry is working yeah. hard. I, I think to David's point, we could use some more help, I think, from the government in terms of answers to key questions. Let, let me give you, for instance, it's not clear to what extent uh, changes can be made in a closing disclosure when a, a deal for whatever reason, outside the borrower's control or the lender's control falls through. That is, the home's flooded, uh, there's some fire damage. This this unfortunately happens, but the rule doesn't provide answers on, 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 on what the next steps are and could be to not only serve the borrower's needs, but also... Uh, acknowledge the additional costs that come out of, say, an additional inspection or even uh, changes in the rate structure of the loan. We need to to have a uh, a better set of guidance on that. I think the um, I mean, when you look at the outstanding questions. There aren't one or two or three. There, there are many, and uh, each organization seems to have its own list. And we're spending a lot of time getting those lists together. Let Let me suggest, though, that a couple of weeks ago, MBA, along with I think fifteen other trade associations, 
sent a letter to the CFPB that, to the point that was raised earlier, requested a grace period on enforcement and liability in the early going of this rule. I think with all of these questions yet unanswered, and with the challenges that have been facing vendors and lenders, that makes perfect sense. The rule did not allow lenders, for example, to test the forms. They can't really do that until August 1. There are a lot of questions that are hanging fire, and when you put it all together, the government, we hope, uh, will help with a soft landing, so to speak. I think the important point here is not to spend time with gotchas, but time to help all of those in the industry who are working in good faith to get this done. Ken, has there been a reaction to that? They they indicate they're um, considering it and considering um, the landscape, but we haven't heard a, a specific answer. Alice, let's get over to you. I want to toss the mic in your lap here. Hi, Ken. It's great to have you on the show. And It's you know, great to, to speak to you. Yeah, thanks. So um, how about Alta? You know, there's a big component of this where we have to work very closely with closing agents, in particular the title industry. So what kind of uh, update can you give us from MBA? I mean, is MBA working with Alta to help kind of come up with some guidance on standardization for exchanging the information back and forth? Because, you know, this certainly falls into multiple categories. You have the, the companies with the high-tech capabilities. You have mid-tech companies that are just completely reliant on their LOS vendor, and then you've got no-tech so how is MBA, uh, what role is MBA playing in trying to get some coordination and information with Alta? Well, as, as I was indicating before, this set of forums, and it's our second set, but these six forums that we've had since January 29th and going into May and June, uh, are all co-sponsored with Alta, and we've had a very strong title uh, escrow component of folks participating. It's been clear at the sessions that the the problem of communicating in real time between title and lender is is a big challenge about this rule, particularly when. It seems clear that a a very large number of lenders have elected to issue the closing disclosure. That, as you know, turns the tables such that the title person has got to help the lender populate the form rather than the way it works today, where usually the lender is sending information only to title, to have title issue the forms. Um, This is a big deal. It it turns out that there are several companies that are working on this, and we've been spending a lot of energy showcasing those companies for the purpose of 
um, letting our, our, our lenders know exactly what the choices are. I would expect that at legal issues, certainly next week in D.C., there will be even more information on that. I, I can't uh, urge it too much that people listen in on these forums or better yet, come there and, uh, and get some of this information. Very, very huge. Andy, let's uh, get a couple questions in from you. Hey, Ken. Thanks for being on the show. It's great to, great to hear your pearls of wisdom as we deal with this very significant transition and the deployment of TRID. Appreciate all you and the NBA are doing to help get people up to speed. So as we look Thank back, you. after all that's happened in this short 20 months, was it enough? Well, I <laughs> wish I could say it was. No, I, I don't think it was. Um, at the time, I, I guess the rule was finalized in November of 13. And the sense, I think, then was that the January mortgage rules would be implemented in January of 14. Well, as you know, it, it, it really didn't work that way. An enormous amount of resources in the industry were spent throughout 14 on the mortgage rules, whether it was by vendors or companies or, or actually both. And, and the dynamic left, I think, um, little time in real terms for the industry to shift gears to tread. Um, as I said at the beginning, and as, as I know the listeners know, this is a big rule. And for it to come on the heels of the mortgage rule, and considering mm -hmm. all the questions that it raises, um, 20 months is, uh, is challenging. And I think you really have to think about it in the terms that we've all learned about uh, to, to come to that. Yeah, and, great. And by the way, I, I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, if I may, August 1 uh, will will begin the beginning of the implementation. It won't be the end of the implementation yeah, at yeah. all. There are just yeah, too many challenges. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's but, the, but the penalty clock right. potentially starts, and that's the risk. Yes. And that's, yeah. And you're the risk doctor. You're you're the you're profit doctor, which means you're the risk doctor. So you're always paying attention to that. That that penalty is unless they they public they specifically say they're not going to or that they're going to give some grace and mercy, which is almost like saying they're delaying it, even though they're not. Um, that it 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 really it, we we're at risk, and so that's how everyone has to assume it. Ken, I just want to again say thank you so much for coming on. Um, well, tell everyone so there much at the for NBA, having me. Oh, it, it, it's any time, Ken. And you pick up the phone. I'm so glad that um, Jeff uh, Schumer reached out to me and suggested we have you on. Uh, be sure to say hi to Jeff and David and everyone there at the NBA. You guys are doing such an amazing job on behalf of our industry. And, and I just got to tell you, I don't think everyone appreciates it. And I just really am a big advocate on people getting involved, getting involved with the NBA, understand what's going on, and say, well, yeah, but it costs so much or it's this or that. Well, you know what? 
getting results sometimes costs a little money. And so if you're serious about being in this industry, you got to get serious about participating and get involved in these conferences, these forums that are going in there. Get involved. I've never heard anyone say, boy, that was a waste of time when I went to D.C. It never is because you feel like you're making a difference. So, again, thank you, to Ken, for so much for being here. Very Good to have well you with us, everybody. David. You are appreciated and everyone there. Thank you, sir. We will be back next week with another good broadcast, lots of good information. We're working on a couple of things right now. I want to hear from you, the listeners. We do this for you, so let us know what you're wanting us to cover on the broadcast. Any special guests? Our radio program has enough listeners. We're very fortunate and able to get a lot of different guests on here. We'd love to have you back. I'm thinking about focusing on the economy because I'm looking at some of these numbers. Uh, We're reaching out to uh, Logan Motoshami again. He's got some great perspective. Also going to get Mike Frantoni on uh, from the NBA. Lots of different ones. So if if you have some material you would like to see us cover, get a hold of us. Love to hear from you. Have a great week, everybody. I'm off to Philadelphia for the rest of the week, and I'll be on Fox Business tomorrow night if you want to watch that talking about some of the latest government programs. Talk to you soon, everyone. Have a great week. Bye. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week, and thank you for listening. 